that guy has all 11 episodes. Uh, so you can remind yourself that what you thought was the best thing in the world when you were nine or 10 wasn't. <laughs> we have a few questions. Oh, uh, two, <laughs> two, two of them from our new patrons. The new oh, patrons hello account. patrons. Uh, this was part of the, one of the questions from our, from our friend Manisman. Oh, right. Hello. He asked about stuff that you and I have already been talking about, of course, which is uh, the recent news about the casting for Superman mm-hmm. Legacy, which mm-hmm. last show we did, we just found out that we were getting, um, what's his name? Uh, Corn, Corn Sweat. S- Corn Sweat. What's his first name? David? No. Isn't, is it? Earl? <laughs> it is Earl. No, I think it is his David. Name? I think it is David Corn Sweat. David Corn Sweat. Yes. Yeah. As Superman and Clark Kent. And then, of course, yeah. Rachel Brosnahan as Lois Lane, which is yeah. perfect. Cast. Yes. So we just found out a few days ago, and this blew it's my crazy. mind. It's crazy. It's crazy go nuts. The James Gunn shape of this movie is starting to, re- starting to reveal itself, I think. Sort the of. Cast, <clears throat> the cast is, is hinting at being very large. I mean, it yes. is going to be large, but we don't know really to what extent these characters are going to be in the film. It could be just right. one scene. Um, he, he did talk, <clears throat> you remember when he was sort of uh, giving his, this is my five-year plan or whatever speech at the very beginning. You remember how he said that a lot of the, a lot of his ideas for this universe is to make it a universe right off the bat. And so he was hiring uh, or would be casting with the long game in mind. In other words, like he, he wants to populate it but it, like you said, I don't know how big these parts will be, but clearly he's like, these are the actors and maybe they'll be in a team movie. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll get their own own movies at some point, but whatever. I uh, He's just establishing them. I think they're not going to be hugely a part of Superman mm-hmm. Legacy, but we'll see. Probably not. Yeah. But it's just that the choices he made. I know. Are just exciting. We're getting, we're getting Hawk Girl. Yes. We're getting Guy Gardner. I know. We're getting Mr. Terrific. Uh-huh. So, I mean... Oh, and one oof. more. Oof. Well, who was the other one? Metamorpho. Metamorpho, of course. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, it's, and I will say... Victor Zaz. <laughs> yeah, well, Victor Zaz, but um, have you watched Barry? I think I've talked to you about it before. HBO? No. Uh, maybe. Well, maybe I saw one or two episodes. I can't remember. Anthony Kerrigan, who is the actor we're talking about, is so... Mm-hmm. Great. And in Barry, he plays this um gay Chechen uh gangster through all four seasons, no ho Hank, and it is a brilliant character, and it, he's so funny and so good. And I as John and I were talking about, when you watch him playing like Victor Zaz and stuff, where he's completely cold and you're like okay good actor so he can be really funny mm-hmm. he can be really touching and i've also seen him be a psycho uh psychopath i've never seen him play a character like rex mason who is metamorpho but i don't i mean that guy can do anything mm-hmm. so i'm very excited and again using hawk girl mr terrific guy gardner i assume it's guy gardner because i still think that lanterns show is still in the works and i think the oh, lanterns officially said it was guy gardner no no they did they did okay yeah yeah they did but the lanterns show i think is where they're going to uh give us how 
and, and John. John Stewart. Yeah. And so it kind of makes sense. He's like going, well, I still want to have Guy Gardner and maybe I'll put him in here. And it's just like, it is sort of like the only thing that depresses me about this news, because I think this is all great. I love those characters. Can't wait to see them. Yeah. The only thing is I sit there going, oh, it bugged me a little bit in the Snyderverse. I've talked to you about this before, where Superman isn't the first where you had like grizzled old Batman going like, kid, mm-hmm. I've been doing this a long time. And Superman's going, Oh, well, I'm still new to this, sir. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of get what he's, I think what he's trying to do is make it a superhero populated universe that maybe needs someone like Superman. They need a naive, uh, good altruistic guy who does it to be a friend. And yeah. maybe everyone else is really cynical or jaded or something. Well, because apparently, oh, I don't have it here. Apparently, the authority Stop is pointing like, at things that isn't there. <laughs> yeah, apparently, well, the they, authority was a yeah. comment on that. I mean, well, not a comment on that. It was, uh, you know, they were trying to create a a uh, uh, a much more modern take on superheroes. So therefore, it was a comment on the naive. Now it seems that he wants to do a flippity flu. Mm-hmm. Which I'm all for flippity flu. Yeah, yeah. Flippity flu is all day long. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yes, I, I, I've heard that casting, and it's not even like rumors. He came out and said, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did one of his one word posts like, this is all absolutely correct. And I'm excited. So, do you I'm think. I'm just uh, trusting him. Just trust. Him. That's I know. what I got it. Do you think Nathan Fillion, do you think you'll have the, the haircut? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goofy do I ass think they'll actually give him a bowl cut? I do not think they will. I'm sure they're going to play up that jock bro aspect of Guy Gardner. And if there's one thing I know, Nathan Fillion can just deliver. I mean, and he'll be an older Guy Gardner. And again, I'm I'm okay with that. But I know he'll be funny. That's mm-hmm. just, And I'm all right with Guy Gardner being... If it was Hal... And how Jordan shows up and is like played for laughs. I'd be like, no, 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 no. Guy Gardner's your idiot. <laughs> Guy yeah. Gardner's your idiot, Green Lantern. And so I think that's good. I'm very excited. Hawk girl, no Hawk man. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not in this movie yet, apparently. Mm-hmm. A lot of people no. pointed to, um, a lot of the nerds online pointed to uh, issues of Justice League International from the 80s. Um, and also the recent, the Terrifics, which was a new DC group that had Mr. Terrific in it and Metamorpho and, um, uh, Plastic Man and, uh, yeah, who else? Uh, and Tom Strong, who was like an Alan Moore created character from a while ago. It was like this really bizarre team and I enjoyed it. It was a fun book. But um, so I don't think that's he's literally doing that. I just think he was like going, "Ooh, yeah, maybe there'll be a suggestion. They're already a team. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're already a Justice League or a Justice Society or something. Yeah. 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 It's it's an interesting thing that, you know, I, I guess you and I were probably both hoping that when James took over that he'd just reset and start from ground zero. Yes. But he's not. And I think part of it just makes sense for him as the way he likes to tell a story, tell it the way, the way he likes to tell stories in this big, colorful, right. Heavily populated universe. I mean, most of his best movies have done that. Um, but 
I think he's also uh, um, trying to stay away from origins. Yes. Which is which, it's smart. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, even if it was a movie where Superman had been around for a while and they didn't do the origin, but he's still like the first superhero, I think he'd be like going, it makes it obviously that I'm universe building. I would mm-hmm. rather that I drop the audience into it and go, they're there. We're here. Yeah. They're already yeah. there. So deal with it. And I know that the studio is going to dig that because they, they started off, you know, the, the, the Zack Snyder's universe started off kind of like that. It was like, it's just Superman. Right. And then. The studio is like, yeah, but we kind of need everybody else now too. Could you? <laughs> so we, everything happens in the next movie, literally with that noise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, basically, that's right. Um, so it's it's going to be what the studio wanted from the get go, but done better is my hope. I I mean I I think that look, even if it ends up being a tonal misfire, I just think it will still be something I will enjoy more than what Snyder did because mm. Gunn, even when he, if he defaults to humor, the one thing he's really good at is he does humanize everybody. And my, one of my central problems with what Zack Snyder's vision was is that he wanted them to be iconic godlike figures. So every time you saw Clark with his mom in those Snyder movies, it felt like forced. What he wanted was those scenes where the public is like looking, going, oh, my God, the scene with all the people trying to touch Superman as he walks through. And I'm like going, oh, my God, that's the wrong take. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the sort of like we are gods among men. I'm like, no, man, it should be men who uh, are trying to do godly things. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so my my I think that even if he blows it, I will probably still appreciate it. <laughs> So yeah, we yeah, right. Was there any other news from uh I think that's all I know. And actually I, I think did I say this last week? I it, I apologize if I keep going. Did I say this to John or you? Because you were the guys that I I podcast with and I'm like, did I say this? But at this point, I kind of hope I don't hear anything else. <laughs> and I mean, I yeah. I love spoilery things, but at the same time, I kind of now want him to go away and make it, which I know yeah. It's yeah. going to be crazy delayed. We have these strikes. So all mm-hmm. this news is exciting, but we're going to get Blue Beetle and possibly Aquaman 2. And like, that's it for like we, a, two or three years with the strike. We should start a Kickstarter, just the shut up James Gunn Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, it's like hashtag. We just give him money to shut up. Yeah. Could you just shut up? But he's doing the smart thing and has done a smart thing, which is. He knows that all eyes are on him. And instead of him going like, you don't know when you know, he's like going, no, I kind of want to bring you guys in on the process without giving away huge details. So I both appreciate it. And then I'm also like, but I don't want to spend all my time trying to figure out every plot point and like, wait, so does that mean that what about Brainiac? I mean, just like calm down. Just let it happen. They still haven't even said who the villain is. Right, right. I mean, it may be Luther, but I, what I bet I'm putting, okay, here it is. This is for our, I'm putting this. I thought it was a quarter. I think it's Canadian, a Canadian quarter. <laughs> I'm putting this Canadian quarter on the line and saying that Luther will be in it, but he will not be the main baddie. In fact, he'll probably just be a thread through there mm. because uh, James Gunn's going to be like, people want to see Superman up against somebody else. 
Yeah. Sort of so, like a Hannibal okay. Lecter kind of thing or yeah, or, maybe already yeah, in prison. Or yes. Uh, something. Did you see the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies? I, the two. I didn't see. I didn't see Amazing the Spider. One. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man was okay. I mean, it changed some things, yeah. but I really like Andrew Garfield. Yeah. The second one was a hot mess, <laughs> mm. but still Andrew Garfield was great. But mm. they were doing a thing there where they were trying to build up to Norman Osborn. They were trying to build up to Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. So he's not the villain either one, but Oz, uh, Oscorp is mentioned, and you see a shadowy guy in a hat at the end, just like they dropped in the Joker at the very end of the Batman, where he's in Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. already, but you don't even see him. He's just talking to the Riddler. That's right. I think that's what James Gunn will probably do with Luther, where he'll be there and he'll be mentioned, but he's not going to be the bad guy. And, yeah. and they'll build up to like a cut scene where he's like going, now I'll have to take care of the alien. <laughs> Luther smokes a lot in uh, the James Gunn universe. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, okay, here's the other part of Manisman's question. Uh, and you just mentioned the Batman, actually. Yeah. He says, what did you think about the Batman? And if both of you were to write the sequel, oh. what storyline would you oh. like to have in there? Then of course we're talking about uh Matt what's his name? Matt Reeves? Matt no. Reeves. Matt Reeves, yeah. Uh the Batman which came out a couple years ago, which is not in any way connected to the universe that James Gunn is about to spring on us. Right. Um so technically uh it's its own thing, meaning uh James Gunn is under and he said if he ever gets to Batman, it might be years down the line. And you're like, okay, man, all right, mm-hmm. okay. But it basically he's saying the pressure's off for him and he but I did love the Batman. I did. Yeah. It changes a lot of things. And I'm such a stickler. But I was sitting there going, similar to the Marvel movies, the way Matt Reeves decided to mold his Batman universe um, felt okay. Changes he made felt okay. The Riddler, I'm like, that's a odd take on the Riddler. But I still really liked that performance and that character. It's really good. And... um the only thing I didn't like about the Batman was the take on Bruce Wayne. Oh, really? I thought, I thought Pattinson did a good job, but I thought mm-hmm. the main problem was um, having a Bruce Wayne that is so, you know, emo and even Gotham real is like, he's a hermit. He's a weird guy. And I'm like going, isn't the whole thing with the Bruce Wayne persona that it's to deflect people from thinking he might be Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole losing the, I'm a millionaire playboy thing is I think kind of a big mistake simply because it would take people all of 12 minutes ago. Well, clearly Bruce Wayne's Batman. I mean, the guy's parents were shot and look at him. He just walks around with a stringy hair and he's all yeah. gloomy. That's a guy who'll dress up like a bat. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, I really loved it. Uh, I thought some of the scenes in it are like just, comics come to life scenes i mean especially yeah. that chase then and the car chase and the flipped car and batman walking out of the flames and stuff you're like jesus god that's all awesome. my, my favorite thing i think about the movie was was the interplay between batman and uh commissioner gordon loved uh, it loved every scenes, second like that scene that first scene that's in the in the uh, the crime scene yeah where batman's just there with the cops and the and yeah and they're all staring going, at him like, oh, and, like, and, and trying yeah. to and he's like he's with me yeah <laughs> So and they're good. they're intimidated by his very yeah. presence. I love that. 
Uh, um, they give that one cop, that one uh, who, uh, you know, they actually give him a name in it. But I thought it was really good screenwriting where he's not a main character, but this one uniform cop uh, ends up being and he's guarding the crime scene. So the very first thing he shows up, back, he's like going, are you kidding? That guy's crazy. He's, what is it? Why is he got that lunatic in here? And by the end of the movie, he's a guy going like, um, yeah, anything else? Uh, it's like, look over here. He's like pointing stuff out. He's working with them. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it's very every cool. single scene where they were letting Batman be a detective, I fucking loved because that's something very often overlooked in all these mm-hmm. Batman movies is like, he, he, it's not just the badass guy who can do the karate moves with a cape. He's also this brilliant mind. And I really liked that. Yeah. Stuff. And of course, we got Paul Dano. Oh, man. As the Riddler. I mean, bringing it. Jesus. And I, I was just thinking about him because I, I just, right before we started recording this, I finally posted my, my heavily recut time machine time after time video, which I've been working on for a few months. Um, and I decided at the very end, uh, do you think you're starting to put a little too much work into our videos? <laughs> time will tell. I, I thought it was no really well done though. And it looks Thank so you. pro, especially the way that you did the, um, uh, like, having our voices on top of other mm. footage and stuff. I was like, man, you're getting good at this editing. It's, that's stuff. really in, in the process of editing. It's always stunning to me how much that tends to, and uh, it just enhances the, you know, you can have something that's like, well, this is kind of interesting, but then I put visuals over it. It's like, Ooh, now it's really engaging. Yeah. No, no, that's no. I'm, just, I'm glad that you, you're really taking to it because you've got a gift for it. It's really thank good. You, thank you. Yeah. And me again, I just show up. <laughs> So, Which is, I'm good at that. I'm good at just. You show up, yeah. I do You're show like, up. There he is, <laughs> even though he hasn't had any sleep. <laughs> anyway, um, so at the end of that video, I um, I put in a little footage of Love and Mercy, or with yeah. Paul Dano as as Brian, young Brian Wilson, which he was just absolutely brilliant as. Yeah, because at the end of the video, we're talking about um, artistic discovery as related to scientific discovery and how they right. relate to each other. So there's some great footage of him in that movie where he's, he's emoting and basically he's based his performance off of, I think the actual studio footage. There's a lot of studio footage of Brian yeah. Wilson doing, um, smile and well, I guess it's mostly from sounds. Yeah. yeah. And good, good vibrations on it. So that came after that. So, but anyway, yeah, he's, he's just, an, he's just incredible. I think he's one of the most amazing actors out there right now. He really is great. And that, that last scene where he has been caught and it and Batman believes he knows his secret identity and then finds out he doesn't. But but the whole thing of them on either side of that there, you know, in comics, there will sometimes be, especially if you have a writer like uh, Grant Morrison and Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, uh, where just a scene between the two, the antagonist and the protagonist usually in Arkham Asylum or something, uh, Alan Moore's killing joke where Batman's talking to the Joker and, and it turns out to not be the Joker. But anyway, um, those kinds of things I already love. And it was just so well done. And Dano is walking it through all these stages of brilliant and insane during the whole thing. And when he's doing like, where he loses, he's like, I thought you were better than that. I thought you were smarter than that. And he's like, come on. And I'm like, wow, yeah. dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we know the actor that he has cast as the Joker and I've seen him do Barry Kyo, how you pronounce his last name. I don't know. Yeah. He was Who in was, uh, the, the, the Eternals, the Eternals, right? Yeah. And he is really good, 
but I just sit there going like, he must have given a hell of an audition because Dano as the Riddler has kind of walked away with this. So good luck to you, sir, when you get to step up to be the Joker, because wow, you got something to follow. Anyway, loved it. What would I do with a sequel? Mm, I would, well, you know what he's saying now, or at least he's been teasing uh, Matt Reeves. And I don't know if to take him seriously, but he keeps saying it's Clayface. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's also saying, like, and I don't want to shy away from the weirdness uh, and, you know, the comic book stuff. So he's, like, going, no, it won't be a guy in a business suit. It it will literally be Clayface. And you're like, okay, so he can morph and change and do all that stuff. Love it. Hmm. But um, that's a way to go. I do like the idea of shifting it off of who you're expecting i would love to continue having penguin in the background because i i want i've one thing that was a good performance as well really good performance uh i like him being a constant i like arkham being a constant but i would put someone in their forefront um not a clay face i don't know who i would pick but i would also do a thing like i was just saying with luther if he does this in Superman Legacy, which is have it end with uh, the Joker busting out of Arkham. So basically set up for the third. And you've basically teased the Joker for two movies, and the third one would finally be a Joker free-for-all. And maybe mm. with, if he busts out of Arkham, maybe it's that classic thing of, um, remember Nightfall? And then Night Quest, like the when Batman had his back broken by Bane back in the oh, late 80s. Yeah. Right. It was a it was a oh no, early nineties. It was a good concept which was basically Bane breaks everyone out of Arkham and Batman spends weeks bringing everybody back in, so he's exhausted and he's worn down, and that's when Bane shows up for him and breaks his back. Um so basically Bane wouldn't have been able to had he not already fought. But I love the idea of like, oh, he's captured all these baddies. And of course, I would want to bring back Catwoman. Come on, yeah, uh, Zoe Kravitz. I'm going to leave my hand right here. Just, <laughs> just damn. Um, yeah, I mean yeah. that would be great. And then a third movie where it is this free for all and the Joker being horrifyingly horrifying. I'm all about it. And then I'd also bring in Robin. <laughs> okay, I was about to ask. Yeah, but not in a second movie. I mean, Batman really should be a loner for as long as he can. And Pattinson is still so young ish or at least mm. looks it i like the idea that if if you've started batman's career and he is classic dark knight batman let him be that for a bit before he realizes he needs somebody to help him and also someone who is cheerful and bright which was yeah. always the whole thing of robin it's like i'm hope that might be I'm interesting in yellow and green yeah it might be interesting based on what you're saying earlier about the problem you have with his his Bruce Wayne not being playboyish enough to maybe have some kind of tension in in the next one where you know Al, um, Alfred's going you know you might want to it could di- be an Alfred distract it could be an people Al- from, yeah. from your moodiness you know I mean about. some people are are saying that it's similar to um, the thinking was similar to Daniel Craig's James Bond which was over the course of the movies the whole idea was. He doesn't start out as the bond that you like iconic bond, but that movie by movie, he works his way towards it. 
And yeah. that's possibly what Matt Reeves is doing because we literally were seeing like early days of Batman. And so maybe it is a thing where he's like going, I, I have to develop an outward persona because of the da, 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 da. And I was just remembering that, that there's a little bit of that in, uh, Batman and son, the beginning of the story, Alfred's mm-hmm. approaching Bruce saying, you know, you're maybe you, aren't you supposed to be, you know, partying well, it up, you know, yes, I don't know. What the, I don't know what the background of, of Andy circuses Alfred is. Cause they, even though he's really good, we don't really know other than I let down your father, you know, like, okay, get it. But, um, was he in was he a spy was he in the army like british special forces or whatever or is it some of the old stuff where he was also an actor that was one of the things in the mm-hmm. comics where alfred was like look i can teach you all about makeup and how to cover these bruises and i'm also an army medic like your father was so i know how to patch you up so all that stuff and here come the cops so this will be <laughs> it's been a really fun time guys gotta go <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, so I mean, um, there's plenty of open room. I, I did feel that with that movie, he did not set things in such a, a way that I felt like, oh, great. So this is just what we're going to get. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Reeves uh, wants to organically grow it. Yeah. And hopefully they allow him. And I, I hope that even if it's not canonical to the DCU, they let this guy continue to make some really awesome Batman. Yeah. I yeah, liked it. I did, too. There you go. All right, so uh, what was the other question we had from our patron, Emily? Oh, um, uh, I wear a nine and a half wide. Yeah. There you have it. <laughs> no. My shoe size. I <laughs> know. Uh, Emily asked, why, why do you think Hollywood can't come up with new material, but video games and authors constantly have new takes on the same tropes? Mm, I don't think it's that they can't. I mean, I don't know what your take is, but I, I think that it's not that they can't. It's that the new ideas are not support. It's the studios and the execs who are playing it crazy safe yeah. because they just look at the numbers. They look at the money and the fault is also a little bit ours as an audience, but we do like what we like, but we tend to, uh, they give us things that are familiar because they know it's a guarantee. Mm-hmm. That's why Hollywood is leaning so heavily and has for decades now on ip yeah where it's like another sequel to this thing another thing that there are plenty of scripts out there that are interesting unique weird um their own thing and they're not being bought or if they're being bought they're never being made so i i i don't think it's on the creators and that's saying i mean that's coming from a guy who for a long time tried to be a screenwriter in la and i was about half and half i never sold any but I would write some really weird original things, which I'm still proud of. But even before the big comic book boom happened, I was writing Green Lantern scripts and I have a, a script for the DC character, the creeper. And it wasn't mm-hmm. because I saw superhero movies coming. It's I do genuinely love this stuff. So why would I not? If I had an idea, I even started a Captain America script in the late 90s. Um, and I really liked it and got about halfway through. And then I gave up because I was like, no one's ever going to make a Captain America movie. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. Oops. Yeah. Um, yeah. but anyway, so, I mean, I, I do think that, and it, it's good to know, support indie film. If indie film comes out, uh, and you have any interest in seeing it, go see it because any 
money you throw at a unique small film. And I'm really happy to see that Wes Anderson, who's not making small films, I mean, look at the cast of his movies, but he's still kind of outside the studio system. Mm-hmm. The It's encouraging that a lot mm-hmm. of people went to go see Asteroid City, yeah, um, which I still haven't seen. Yeah, um, support indie film, but also support indie film. Indie film. There you go. <laughs> I mean, IP I have no problem with, and sequels yeah. I have no problem with, as long as they're good. And I don't like repetition like anybody else. I like, I do like returning to universes and characters that I love, but I want to see new things with them. So yeah. no, I don't want to see the same Batman movie every time. And I don't want to see yeah. the same, the Avengers movie every time. It's like, change it up. And so far, the good ones do. The bad ones, I don't like a lot. <laughs> It's what she's asking about video games too. That video games seem to be doing better as far as coming up with, they use the same tropes, but they're coming up with better new ideas. Um, like last of us, for example, old trope, yeah. definitely a new idea yeah. or a new take on an old trope. Um, and I don't know what the answer was that, what the answer to that is just that, uh, they have a little bit more freedom. I think it's, it's a different audience. It's a different, uh, it is. And yet you can actually partake in the experience. It kind of, I, I do changes things. I, I, um, I'm not a huge gamer, but what really drove me to want to get a PS five when, uh, when I got that uh, a while ago, um, and you know, I've been PC gaming. What really gets it for me is, is story based games because I am not a, you know, first person shooter thing. I can't call of duty it up. I don't, I don't like playing with other people, all this stuff about Fortnite and stuff. I'm like, I don't want to be, you know, humiliated by a 12 year old who, (laughs) you know, keeps killing me five seconds after I respawn. Right. So, um, but (laughs) I literally, I, did you ever play team fortress Two? No, no, it was, it was pre Fortnite, but it was a similar thing and it's still going. And it, it's, you know, it's another multiplayer thing where you get, randomly hooked up in teams from people around the world and i made the mistake of once playing with a headset and i literally had a 14 year old shit talking me and telling me how <laughs> lame i was and i was like going i don't need this and i know i'm bad but anyway yeah so um but i i do have mad respect for the writing and concepts of some of these games some of the fallout games are so brilliant as far as like story and background and uh, the Witcher games, which of course are based on a novel series, but those have been great. Um, I like a lot of the Bioware games, even the ones that people thought were not so great. So the Mass Effect and all that thing. They generally are playable movies. When they're done well, they have dropped you into a novel and you feel like you're a part of it and you can actually be emotionally moved. I do think that the games makers, like you said, probably have more freedom. And they are just allowed yeah. to like, uh, we know what the tropes are, but in order to make this engaging, we're going to bend this. And then they win awards because people are going, oh, it's not just another blah, blah, blah game. It's just not, it's not another bug hunt alien thing where you go chasing an alien. There's reasons and there's politics and there's dialogue. Yeah. And, yeah, and then somewhat stuff. ironically, they get turned into, into then really they get successful turned into, TV shows and movies. Well, in that case, well, I mean, some, sometimes successful. Yeah. yeah, I'd say the ratio. Probably and, not. And we should examine Very that sometime, common. maybe. But the ratio yeah. of good video game adaptations is really small. Yeah. 
Yeah, like they got really lucky with like The Last of Us, which is amazing. Yeah, but you know that they're Hollywood is falling over themselves right now trying to figure out what the next adaptation is going to be. Well, I heard that Mass Effect is being turned into a series. Not surprising. And it will be crazy expensive, too. Uh, I think a lot of the studios now, of course, with the strikes and stuff, and the fact that the streaming bubble is bursting, I've heard a lot of these ambitious ones are now being like shelved. Like, yeah, we're not not going to try that anymore. One thing I would really love to see, but we'll probably never see it just because... uh, uh, Valve has kept a really tight uh, control of it. Uh, hmm. uh, Valve has controlled it very tightly. Even the, you know they, they're, they're very stingy with their own sequels to this franchise now. But it's Half Life. Uh, Half Life I never played, but I know people who love it. Still my favorite. Yeah, you know, and you know, probably beyond. Well, in, in addition to like Jedi Knight and those early night or early two thousand Star Wars games that we've talked yeah. about before. I love ha- especially Half Life Two. Um, but the the three uh, sequels that came after that, the little episode sequels that they put out as as download content, yeah, on Steam, those were so great. And they've we had to wait like fifteen years or whatever it was for the for the next video to come out, which is a VR set based game. I've uh, never done any of that stuff, which looks good. But I'm not going to go out and buy a you know yeah. a, whatever those things are called. Uh, what what the is headset. that headset? What is that? There, there's a name for the Oculus. Is that the what it's Ocu- called? Yeah, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm I'm not going to do that. Okay, but uh, but I would you love to see. Last, he is not going to buy that. <laughs> I, I would love to see that that universe realized on the big screen, though. It would be challenging, though, because uh, Gordon Freeman is a silent protagonist in the films. I mean, in the games, uh, he never uh, talks, and you never. It's everything's from his perspective. So, so it's really just the get hands that, on the screen. Yeah. So in order to get that in the movies, it would be very, very challenging to pull that off without totally jumping the shark with the with the IP. But we'll see. Who knows? We might get something as good as the Max Payne movie. The, uh, ooh, what? What? No, that's that was a popular uh, game, and it was turned into a bad movie. Oh, okay. I don't even know. That's okay. There, uh, there are plenty of bad video game adaptations out there. You can't yes. know them all. <laughs> No, you can't. All right. So our, our frequent commenter and YouTube viewer, Oof. Oof. At, he just commented on the Time Machine video. Um, he's first, really? He was first, first commenter wow. on the video. Because he did that like today. He says it took until 2004's Primer, or Primer, I don't know how you say it, for there to be a movie about time travel to be as brilliant as Powell's Time Machine. Which, Have you seen No, Primer? I haven't. I haven't. I guess I got to see it. Yeah, that's what I was about that. I haven't replied to his comment yet, but I was. I liked him, Looper I've good a lot, which is fairly. I mean, that's not recent, but it's recent Uh, You know, it's certainly not from the '60s or whatever. But um, I liked Looper, even though, like with most time travel movies, it's like, okay, let's really pick apart all the paradoxes and the this can't happen things. But yeah. I still really enjoyed it. But Primer, I have not seen. Yeah. I've heard really good things about it, but oh, I if you just I gave me like, homework, yeah. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so you you told me you you found I don't know why you, you keep doing this to yourself, but you 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 dug up <laughs> cliffhanger from nineteen seventy nine cliffhangers. Um, right, yes. Well, nostalgia is a little bit of our brand, but it, and it, it's not me. Our brand now. <laughs> yes, it's not me purposely seeking it, but we had been talking. And I again, I, I really want to see Indy. It is just a thing about time and money. Mm-hmm. I really want to see it. But we had talked last time about, you know, it influenced a lot of things, 
like we talked about Bring It Back Alive mm-hmm. and Tales of the Gold Monkey. Right. Um, and then I remembered something that's even pre Raiders and, and this show from 79. What I think it is, is there was something in the air in, in that time. Obviously, Lucas apparently was thinking of Indy or at least what would become Raiders. Like yeah. as early as when he was in college, that, yeah. like in right. in the early seventies. But I think there are people of his generation that were getting to an age where they're like, I want to recapture the joy of going to see those like Saturday afternoon serials at the movie theater. So that was a big thing of the forties, fifties, uh actually thirties, forties, fifties. And mm-hmm. so serialized entertainment, just like a radio show, can be really fun. This show is not great, but I love it in concept. This is just like we were talking about with the Phoenix, where you sit there going like, the concept here is pretty cool. It's just not done well, and they didn't have any money. Uh, But Cliffhangers, 1979, I watched all 10 episodes. uh, Because the 10 episodes that you found, those are the only ones that were ever made. Except for there was an 11th that did not air. But I have on my my bootleg disc. I was going to say there's eleven in that playlist. I didn't see what. Oh, they all did he are, put the eleven? Okay, maybe he did. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe he even has the same bootleg set because I did see those little commercial breaks where you'd see for half a second, like yeah, and they're yeah. like, okay, that's clearly someone videotaped it. So the concept was basically to do an anthology, uh, and an anthology of three different stories, all of which are very genre. Um, and they were only 15 minute chapters that you would watch each week and they would, uh, end with the, is this the end for blah, 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 with the, like the very melodramatic announcer going, will they escape from this terrible doom? And you would tune in each week. And it was also supposedly a clever idea of finding out which ones the audience likes better. And these would all be pilots. So if at the end of the season, everyone's like going, we're totally in on that Dracula one, then it could have been its own show. And then maybe they would have introduced a new third segment into cliffhangers. But it only lasted a season. They didn't count on how, because I read some back uh, background on it. They didn't count on how expensive it would be to because you had to have three production teams running at once because these sh- stories are not the same universe or same place and da, da, da. So, yeah, it was like shooting three different shows at the same time. And they're like, oh, crap, we really. Yeah. And yeah. plus, they're not good. No. I love them. They're not good, though. Did you watch I, that first episode? I watched a little bit of the first. Well, but part of it, I got too tired. I think it got oh, sleepy. Oh. But I, I did watch. I did watch most of it. And uh, the whole the whole uh, that chapter with Susan Anton. Yeah, uh, I did watch that one. And then I watched part of the one after that, which is the. Uh, you didn't watch history. Mm. I didn't get to the Dracula one. No. Damn. But I, I did. <laughs> I thought it was an inter- really interesting idea where you got something in the Old West and there turns out to be this futuristic society below well, the ground. Okay. Now, uh, for the listeners at home, and some of you might be sitting there going, damn, I may have watched that because we're finding people, no matter how obscure the stuff we bring up, someone will bring us Dusty's trail and we'll be like, what? What? So, yeah. so we'll mention this and there'll be people on going like, these guys are cliffhangers amateurs even though i watched every single one of them um but cliffhangers had three stories the first one was stop susan williams and this is a classic kind of uh perils of pauline kind of thing 
Um, and it feels very 30s, even though it is set in the modern day, meaning 1979. Yeah. But it's a photojournalist played by Susan Anton, who I got to say, she really was a beautiful lady of the 70s. But man, not a I will say there's no real good actors in this thing at all, except for, of course, you have you, you have uh, um, Ray Walston. Ray Walston is uh-huh. like he's small part. Yeah. But anyway, so her brother's been murdered. Her brother's a reporter and he was on on to something, on to some conspiracy. So she's trying to investigate his murder and there's apparently some world domination scheme that he was in uh discovering. So she's she's like I need to follow the clues. So I need to go to I don't know where it is. I need to go to Ishtar or whatever. She has to go to some <laughs> exotic locale and then Oh, well, I've learned a little bit more and met this roguish sort of mercenary man for hire guy who's supposedly the cocky hand solo type who has the goofiest 70s porn stash and weirdest. Like, you know, the hairstyle. Did you ever watch uh, um, Venture Brothers? No, no I've, I've Brothers? seen oh, bits of it. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Yeah. Brock Samson in it, uh, who's like the. Patrick Warburton, you know, hero guy has this sort of weirdly pyramid shaped, poofy head of hair. And literally this guy has that. And I'm sure those people, the animators are like going, do that hairstyle from this guy. Uh, But anyway, so she's constantly being almost killed by people trying to keep the secret that she's uncovering. And it and Ray Walston's her editor, he sends her off, is like, don't spend too much money when you're in Nairobi or wherever she's going. Um, and basically it is like at the end of the first chapter, she's almost bitten by a cobra. Turns out she's not because Brock Samson looking dude comes in and shoots the cobra in the next episode. Uh, and they're they're doing this like the old serials. The first episode claims that you're starting Stop Susan uh, Williams on. um on its second chapter and the next one, which is the phantom, I mean the uh, secret empire, they're like going, this is chapter three of the secret empire and the Dracula episode, they say it's chapter six. So they're pretending like you've come into these stories in, in motion as an episode four. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But they will never go back and give you chapters one and two. Um, (laughs) So the second one that you started watching is uh, the secret empire. And that one is one that, I mean, I, I love the Dracula more because it's Dracula. But the Secret Empire is the one where I'm sitting there going, like, that could be done really cool. And it's the one that actually has the pedigree of the old serials. So here's mm. the thing. I, this is like, sit back. You just, Chad, make yourselves at home. Um, I love this old entertainment stuff. And I am aware and have watched many chapters, not the full thing, because it's not great, but it's historic. There was a, a famous serial of the 1940s that was The Phantom Empire, and it starred Gene Autry, the singing cowboy. And so it was the first ever of this kind of thing, which is a thing I love, which is the blending of genres. I love when genres blend. So in the case of The Phantom Empire, it wasn't set in the Old West. But it was Gene Autry as the singing cowboy who has a ranch called Radio Ranch because not only does he run it as a ranch, but he also has a radio show on it. And he and his guys stand there and every episode they play a song and sing a song. 
but there are these weird masked riders that keep encroaching on the land and threatening to shut everything down. And he finds out that these masked riders are from an underground kingdom, which turns out to be uh, the lost continent of Mu and their, their capital city of Morania. And so basically they had a bunch of leftover costumes from the old Flash Gordon serials. So when he goes down into this sci-fi fantasy, you know, kingdom, uh, you're like, oh, that guy looks like one of the Hawkmen from Flash Gordon. <laughs> oh, that guy looks like this. And they're all, they've got fancy sci-fi equipment and he's just a rootin' tootin' cowboy. And he's like, well, this sure is fancy. And <laughs> he saves the day, don't worry. And Radio Ranch survives. So basically, the creators of this show were like, let's just update that. And instead of it being Gene Autry and a singing cowboy, they put it in the Old West. And it's an Old West marshal. And there's like gold being stolen from wherever. Uh, and he goes and finds some masked riders, finds a, a hidden cavern in a, in a cliffside, goes down a fantastic elevator, and he ends up in a mall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have these models that it's, it's kind of like the models seem to be left over from Logan's run, like future yeah. city. Yeah. But when he gets down to the actual thing, it's clearly an empty mall space, which for the time would be modern architecture. That's kind of big with these yeah. big, like sunroofy ceilings. And he's running around and it is, it's a hidden underground, highly advanced society. And he's like, golly. Yeah. And they do a thing where the Western part is all black and white. And then when he goes to the underground kingdom, it's color. Ooh. You know, what cracked me up about that scene when he's descending in the elevator. Yeah. Is his, I don't know who directed this or what they were thinking. Oh, I know. His exactly. reaction to seeing the yes. city. Instead yeah. of being like, yes. you know, in awe, know he's, exactly like, he's, he's going, yeah. I know exactly <laughs> the shot you're talking about because it makes no sense. What the hell? He's in like a fa fantasy sci-fi tube thing, like elevator. And the first thing is it's making, because it's going down supposedly so fast, it's making this high pitch. And he's like, ah. Yeah. So first you're like, yeah, okay. He's like, what is this? And he can't get out. This is weird. I've never been in a metal tube with glass. And, and and then when he comes down far enough and sees the city, you would expect someone to go, what the fuck? Instead, he's like going, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love hidden advanced civilizations. This is cool. And he looks yeah. over and goes, is that a Jamba Juice? <laughs> oh, man. what is that a checker? Is that an Orange Julius? <laughs> is, that, is that an Orange Julius? <laughs> <laughs> is that sam goody that would be period appropriate yeah. <laughs> it would be period appropriate yeah but anyway so that's the second one and then the third one is uh called the curse of dracula and it does star michael nuri who did go on to i mean he had been like a soap guy before this but this is early days and his acting is over the top as dracula but i as a kid and still today i love the character dracula so he's Basically, Count Dracula is in modern San Francisco uh, teaching night classes in European history at a college. Uh, but his old nemesis, uh, the family of Van Helsing, who's represented by a guy named Kurt Van Helsing, who's like the American descendant of Dr. Van Helsing. And what's hilarious is the most milk toasty looking dude. I, I mean, I know that they they probably budgeted each one of these things for like two hundred dollars, but they found some guy who looked. Like he'd be in a commercial for some sort of high fiber cereal. <laughs> and he's, he's just like, and he's got like a lame little, and he's like going, 
we're going to defeat Dracula. And his <laughs> uh, female partner in this, also romantic partner, Mary, she wants to destroy Dracula because Dracula had killed her mother years ago. Uh, but then she meets him and, and he's starting to seduce her and saying, I love her. I've loved very few people, but she was special to me. And she goes, but you killed her. Anyway, so um, it's got organ music and he has a pretty cool mansion. And they go, his students are like, professor, how'd you pay for this on a college, you know, degree, whatever job? And he goes, I come from old money. Ah, ah. <laughs> like that. And he only walks around with a cape when everyone knows he's Dracula. Like when they're under his spell, then he's like classic, got the cape. Most of the time he's like Mr. Seventies guys, like shirt open down to his like navel and and he's big collars. <laughs> he's like going, I teach a class in uh, Eastern European history. Uh, and it's You know what I'm saying. Yeah, if you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. I am a wild and crazy guy. <laughs> and he puts on his little hat. Uh, so anyway, I know it's not good, and I have, you know, I hadn't watched it since I was a kid until Rose City Comic Con here in Portland, like five years ago. I went to one of the video booths where they have lots of bootlegs. That's why you go to these conventions. Is they're like going, "Oh, you want to watch the Justice League pilot from '89 or whatever it is, or like '92? Here it is." It aired once, and someone has done a bad video dub and put it on a DVD. Yeah, I'll buy that. Here's mm -hmm. Roger Corman's Fantastic Four movie. Great. Already have it. Thanks. But they had cliffhangers, and I was like, all right, I have to get it. <laughs> and so anyway, since it only got one season, this, the only storyline that finished in the 10 episodes was the Dracula one. Oh. Um, the 11th episode wrapped up Stop Susan Williams and Phantom Empire. Uh, sorry, I keep saying Phantom, but Secret Empire. So um, essentially, that 11th episode did tie those up. Uh, so now I know how it all turns out. Everything's oh, okay. okay. Everything's all right. Oh, good. So anyway, cliffhangers. Um, and here's another thing. We should do an entire show someday on Kenneth Johnson. Do you know that name? And it's okay if you don't. I don't. Kenneth Johnson's responsible for a lot of our childhood. Because I'm looking up cliffhangers and I'm doing my research on it. It's like created by Kenneth Johnson. I'm like, that makes all the sense in the world. Kenneth Johnson is the guy responsible for, he did not create Six Million Dollar Man, but he did do a lot of show running on Six Million Dollar Man. He created Jamie Summers, the Bionic Woman. So Bionic Woman was all him. He did not make the movie Alienation. But he made the successful TV series that spun off of Alienation, uh, which was I always liked the movie. It was a, and it's a good concept and it was a pretty good show. He created V, the miniseries. Ah. And then, of course, the series and the wow. other miniseries. And, yeah. So he literally is the high concept guy of that period. Oh, and the Incredible Hulk. I mean, he obviously didn't create the Hulk, but he right. created the show. Yeah. So, um that guy was basically, like I said, responsible for our childhoods because he had these concepts, which I think all of his concepts are good. The writing tends to be not so great. And, you know, there's never any money. The thing with all these shows, including because I did a rewatch of Six Million Dollar Man when I was trying to get healthy on the uh, treadmill. I, <laughs> I decided that each one of those episodes is about 50 minutes. 
So it's like 50 minutes on the treadmill. Great. So I would watch a full episode of Six Million Dollar Man while I did the <laughs> treadmill. And um, so I did a rewatch. And yeah, it brings back a lot of nostalgia. And then you realize it is the same show every week and it's not great. And then you watch Incredible Hulk and you're like, oh, this is a Six Million Dollar Man only with a green painted dude who roars a lot. So Kenneth Johnson was the guy who's like going, oh, I'll just keep using the same formula over and over and over again. Though V is also a really good concept. Yeah. So that's the guy. He created cliffhangers. That made me think in one of the common conversations I had with one of our viewers, I, I likened uh, Lou Scheimer to the Walt Disney of Saturday morning. Oh. And this this Kenneth Johnson sounds like he's the, the Lou Scheimer of sci-fi TV. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you, just like uh, Dan Curtis, who didn't start out as the spooky guy, if you have a success in a particular thing, like one, in the case of Dan Curtis, he was doing game shows as a producer. Then he did a soap opera called Dark Shadows, which mm-hmm. wasn't supernatural in the beginning. It was just he wanted it to be gothic. So the beginning of Dark Shadows is not supernatural. It is just sort of like eerie and gothic. Then he's like, what if the ghosts in it are, you know, what if they're actually ghosts instead of them talking about ghosts? And he's like, what if there's a vampire in there? And then Dark Shadows became incredibly popular because it had a vampire. And then Dan Curtis becomes known as the spooky guy. And so that becomes his thing. And he goes on to create Shack the Night Stalker. I mean, the Night Stalker, Night Strangle and Shack the Night Stalker. He did a bunch of TV movie adaptations of Frankenstein, Dracula, so forth some of which are really not great, but he, he became that guy. And that's what's so funny to me is that I think it's similar in the case of Kenneth Johnson. He just became known as the genre guy. It's like sci-fi, kind of a fantasy sci-fi thing. That's, that's Kenny. That's what he does. So okay. I, think, I think it may not actually be his strength, but it, it became the thing he did. Yeah. Uh, and Lou Scheimer, you know, Lou Scheimer and Hanna-Barbera, those guys and um cross brothers uh, yeah the cross i think literally i i owe them money because basically <laughs> they created me yeah it's yeah. like all that stuff was just right into my vein and i can sit there and just like yeah you want to talk some he-man right now i can talk some he-man did you Bring have it. speaking of the six million dollar man did you have the uh the the doll the uh dude don't with- even because was, was, I was, he so, his, was it peel his wrist back? Is that when there was a little had, console? Had a, like a, which I, what I loved is anytime they, cause I, I, I didn't have him. I had friends who had him, but, yeah. um, I did have big Jim. Do you remember big Jim? You mentioned that on another show, I think. Big well, Jim. it's cause he had his wolf pack anyway. Um, he was like muscular comic book, muscular version of Ken. But he, they basically made lots of sports suits and then action adventure suits for him and that kind of thing that you could buy clothes and accessories. But the thing with him was he had all hard plastic, but his arm had like a skeletal part of, on the inside that was plastic, but it was coated in rubber. Same color as his skin. But the rubber part, like the more you would handle it as a kid, your the dirt and oil, whatever, <laughs> it, suddenly his arms would be a different color than the rest of them. But the reason he had a rubber arm is that you could actually bend it at the elbow and his muscle would go up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So the $6 million dollar man doll had a rubber sleeve mm-hmm. 
that you could yeah. roll back. Like that's right, and that's right. And underneath, you'd see like the circuitry, which could also pop out. You could take that out and put it back in, and the roll the sleeve back up. He had the hollow eye, so you could look through the back of his head. So you were doing the telescopic. Oh, bionic that's right. Vision. Okay, gosh, yeah. You literally yeah. look through his, the back of his head. Beep, boop, 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 boop. And I think that was the only. I mean, because his legs are also bionic, but I don't think they had a rubber sleeve. But he's in the tracksuit from the opening, and he also came with an engine block, a plastic like car engine block that you would put in his bionic arm, and you could push a, a button in his back, and he would be able to lift it. Like, look at me, super strong. I'm picking up a car engine. It's amazing how much I remember it, even though I when, didn't have it. When you mentioned the looking through his his eye, yeah. The, that I almost just for a second, I could remember what that toy smelled like. It just like came back to me for one second. That that kind of plasticky. I'm telling you, it's seventies uh, rubber smell. The the <laughs> the stuff that gets hardwired into us as kids, it is amazing because yeah. same thing. Oh my god, can I admit something to you? We're friends. You can cut this out. <laughs> I got. I went down a rabbit hole just like uh, a week ago, looking up old Sears Christmas catalogs. From my childhood. So I started in 73, which is probably the earliest I'd be rem- remembering anything. So 73, and I went up to like 82. And I would just go to the toy section and flip through. I did look at some of the T-shirts. I was like, oh, my God, I had that exact Star Wars T-shirt, blah, blah, whatever. But I go to the toy section, and it was just like going, oh, shit, I forgot about that. I had that. Oh, my God. And then I was looking up specific ones that I remember very well. And I was like, oh, dude, wow. there's Sucker Man. I had Sucker Man. He was awesome. Uh, Sucker Man was rubber, and he had and he looked like an alien, and he had these, like, wobbly arms and legs, but he was covered in suction cups. So the whole idea was you could throw him at a, like, glass window, and he'd just go, bang! <laughs> <laughs> he would stick in these weird positions, and and then, like, eventually, like, and he would fall. I love yeah. Sucker Man. Anyway, so, and I never had Stretch Armstrong, but I had Stretch Monster. I had his villain. Oh, oh. and in the $6 million man, I didn't have Steve, Colonel Steve Austin, but I bought, uh, or my parents bought with me telling them to get it, Bigfoot from the $6 million oh. man, because they made a Bigfoot figure because he showed up <laughs> in the show. It was supposed to be a present for my brother, who we used to call Sasquatch, because. <laughs> Well, he had like he wore size thirteen shoes when he was like in sixth grade. He had enormous feet. Um, they stopped growing, but for the time, it was like, dude, it's a skinny dude with these big boat feet. So we called him Sasquatch, and then so I was like, you should get him that Bigfoot figure. And all I'm thinking <laughs> in my head is because if they get it for him, I will mm. be able to play with. It. Yeah, right, right. And my plan worked. When when you were talking about the the similarity between Six Million Dollar Man and The Incredible Hulk, it made yeah. me think of Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Because that well, one of the episodes, I'm sure it's the same in every episode. But they, they do they do his running running mm-hmm. fast. It's uh, it's almost the same well, they sound. Were stealing the, they were stealing the the idea of um, you know that's how we present fast motion is slow mm-hmm. motion. Okay, did you notice that in the Secret Empire part of Cliffhangers that the masked writers their guns are making the same sounds as uh, the Battlestar Galactica lasers. No, no, I didn't get that. 
Oh, well, then when they're chasing him towards <laughs> the cave, me. it's like, choo, choo, and I was like, I know exactly that sound effect. And that is the sound that the lasers in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. It was yeah. all from the same time period and the same production company. Oh, can I give a quick shout out? Yeah. That sent me down a rabbit hole. When I had insomnia last night, I went to that YouTube channel that has all the cliffhangers episodes. He has the best collection of abandoned TV pilots of like pilot episodes of shows that I've never seen. Uh, and also like short run shows like eight episodes. Um, and I just, I would love to, I should have written it down anyway. My, um, my uh, tip of the hat to that guy. I signed up and subscribed to his channel. I watched action family, which was a, a sitcom, a weird Chris Elliott sitcom from 1987 that he did on Cinemax and it was one episode and it was bizarre and it was very funny. Okay. Anyway, so, um, maybe we'll put it in the notes. Yeah. Be good. Cool people. Keep writing us. I appreciate it. And if you remember cliffhangers, I'm very sorry. Uh, and if you (laughs) want to know how it turns out, uh, check that link that we'll put in there. That guy has all 11 episodes. Uh, so you can, Remind yourself that what you thought was the best thing in the world when you were nine or ten wasn't. <laughs> but a cool idea anyway. All right. Yeah. So and quickly, we still have for you Tesla City Stories, you still have your, your our, Indiegogo our campaign. Indiegogo is still going. Ongoing. Yes. Yes, please. Um, and and again, if you don't even know what that is, we provide links there to our podcast. You'll get a good idea of what it is. Um it's a really good show that I think people you guys would really enjoy. So every little bit helps. Jerry was all freaked out by the fact that when you go to the options for pay, it starts with like a hundred dollars. He's like, how do we let them know they can pay anything? Well, I'll tell you, you can give us $5. <laughs> it all helps. So we appreciate it. Yeah. And, and Jerry, Jerry and I were chatting last night and he was, he was irritated. We didn't use the short URL <laughs> for the Indiegogo. I, I didn't video. see a short URL. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I didn't see it either. Besides, I liked what quick. you came up with. That was a cool beat. The dash Tesla dash City dash Stories dash Help dash Us dash Boost dash The dash Signal pound sign. That yeah. is taking over TikTok. People are now doing dances to my I, doing that that's URL. Right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Boost dash Tesla dot com. Wow, that is short. (laughs) Boost-Tesla.com. Not not as much of a cool song, though, but that's all right. No, but uh, yes, thanks for throwing that in there. And also, and go support support Chad, because I looked in his cupboards the other day, and literally, he has a thing of peanut butter, and there's like two ramens, one of which is the spicy pork, which I know he doesn't even like. He needs help. (laughs) We, yeah, we here at Prodigious Apps have our own Patreon account now. Uh, if you want to join us there, which uh, a few people have already, and you, if you're a patron, you will have already watched this episode uh, yeah. before it launches on YouTube. So, and yeah. we have exclusive videos there, and I'm giving you teases of works in progress on there. Yeah. And much more to come as well as we kind of figure this out. But your support is greatly appreciated. This is a very time consuming endeavor for me, especially. But I love doing it, and I love me. doing this for y'all. And uh, yeah, no, <laughs> but I don't it, it does take time to watch these shows. Yes. Movie tickets cost money. Streaming services cost money. It's, DVDs, it's Blu-rays true. cost money. So 
your help is very much appreciated because this is a this is an expensive habit we've got. Here. Yeah, well, I, I will say nostalgia uh, nostalgic costs a bit. Yeah, though I will yeah. say my blue, uh, bootleg only cost me fifteen dollars. Ah, for all cliffhangers. <laughs> so anyway, guys, we'll what see you next deal. time, and we'll be um, right. just as organized. Yes, as usual. Cheers. Bye. Ha, ha, ha.